Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. We've got a terrific interview coming up with Todd Amen of ATBS. He's going to talk about what he's seen in the finances of truck drivers as April 15th income tax day draws near. He's got a unique perspective on that as ATBS has been doing truck driver tax returns and offering financial advice to truck drivers for many, many years. We're going to be hearing from Todd in a few minutes. But as we usually do here on Drilling Deep, we're going to kick things off by talking about what might be considered one of the lifebloods. Is that a word, lifebloods? One of the lifebloods of trucking, and that's diesel. Okay, demand for trucking services is really the lifeblood, and so are the drivers. But you've got to have diesel in the truck to make it go. And right now, that is very much not an issue for this industry. You could argue that maybe capacity would be falling a lot faster in the trucking industry if diesel prices were 20 or 30 cents higher or maybe even more. And maybe it's that whatever benefit for the industry is getting out of cheaper diesel is being completely negated and eaten up and then some by higher insurance costs. But the reality is that the national average retail price of diesel has not been this low since the end of 2017, more than two years ago. And a story that I wrote this week for FreightWaves.com just shows how things really aren't probably going to change anytime soon. I used the, as the basis for the report, the, the basis for the story, a very good report from an energy research company called Energy Aspects. Energy Aspects looks at the current diesel market, and they try to talk about that market beyond the coronavirus, though it's very difficult to do that because we know what the coronavirus is doing to diesel demand. It's killing jet fuel demand because of the collapse in a lot of Chinese air travel. Jet fuel is a distillate like diesel, so essentially they're all kind of the same molecules. Uh, the coronavirus is also killing a lot of industrial activity in China, and inventories of diesel and other distillates are building up. But energy aspects does not see any quick end to this. So even if China gets back to normal in the next few months, the balance in the diesel market between supply and demand is likely to be impacted by the uh, new refining capacity that they see coming online in China, several hundred thousand barrels a day worth. That's going to increase that country's ability to produce diesel. And, you know, we talked about on Drilling Deep here a few weeks ago how some analysts think the impact of IMO 2020 is still yet to come in the diesel market. Energy aspects is just not seeing it. Demand for distillates like diesel is just too weak for them to see any kind of surge uh, coming out of any more transition in IMO 2020. Why is that demand weak? It's been warm. It's not just been warm in the U.S. It's been warm in Europe, too. Jet fuel demand is sliding, as we know, in part because of the coronavirus. And somehow the marine fuel industry has gotten through IMO 2020's early days without sending that market surging. You know, I don't know that I agree with their analysis on IMO 2020. It remains the fact that it is going to be mostly diesel molecules that are needed to meet the requirements of the new rule for sulfur content in marine fuels. To do that, you have to take a lot of diesel molecules out of the buckets that they are now serving in transportation, in heating, in industrial uses, and instead you got to stick them into the bucket for marine fuel. We're talking about 2 million barrels per day possibly coming out of one bucket, going into another bucket, and demand in that middle bucket isn't going to change more than the, the normal fluctuations you get. So how can we do this without disrupting the diesel market? I will say this. If the industry pulls it off, it's going to be one of the great accomplishments in recent oil markets history. I think people who like to preach the virtues of the free market, and certainly I'm going to be one of them, I've always been one of them, they're going to be talking about this one for a long time. But I'm still skeptical that it can be done without some disruption along the way. But you know what? 
Those of us who feel that way, we've been proven wrong repeatedly. There are those who think the test is still coming. I'm one of them. But certainly the collapse in diesel and jet fuel demand as a result of the coronavirus is making the predictions of companies like Energy Aspects look pretty smart right now. We're going to now turn our attention to talk with a man who sees pretty much everything. Todd Amen is the president and founder of ATBS, which helps independent owner-operators with their taxes, their finances, and many of the problems and issues that come up with running your truck as an independent. And given that, he's got a unique perspective on what it's like on the ground for independent owner-operators, how they're doing when things are good, how they're doing when things are not so good, and how they're doing in the times in between. And, you know, given that it's tax season and ATBS is just starting to review a lot of the returns of its clients, we thought here at Drilling Deep that it was a great time to bring him on. So, Todd, welcome to Drilling Deep. Hey, John. Thanks a lot for welcoming me. It's awesome to be here. All right. So you're starting to look at some of the income statements of a lot of the drivers who are your clients. You're doing this one year after you were looking at statements that came off one of the greatest years in driver history with record-breaking freight rates. So how much of a hit did a lot of these drivers take in 2019 compared to 2018? You know, just to kind of give you the big picture, John, um, we could go back to 2017 when the average owner-operator was making around $60,000 a year net. And then in 2018, you know, just the best year ever, uh, that jumped up significantly to $65,000 net. And when we're looking at 2019, we're looking right around 63000 So, you know, they gave up a bit of what they gained in 2018, but not all of it. Uh, so you could say it almost got cut in half, that gain from 17 to 19. So it wasn't a terrible year. It definitely wasn't 2018, but it wasn't a terrible year. Um, things were okay overall. And as we, you know, like to talk to our drivers and help coach them financially for those that, you know, made some changes. We knew 19 was going to be a more difficult year. Those that made a few changes, um, they actually did just fine. They had an okay year. It wasn't just a terrible, awful year. I mean, that's interesting because I think if you ask the average truck driver, you know, beyond their their, their own perspective, how do drivers do? Or if you asked just people in the industry, they probably would have thought the drop was going to be a lot bigger than that. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think we're used to in trucking, you know, we have a good 12 to 18 month period where things are good. We raise rates and then we usually have about a three year recession. That's kind of a typical cycle. Not much is typical anymore, but if it was typical, that would be it. And so it it hurts to come into a difficult year after you've had a great year. And I think people feel that pain. Maybe a little more, you know, when we're diving in our data, um, the first half of 2019 even was not really bad. I mean, it was almost flat to the prior year. It was the back half of 2019 that was really painful. So if I say that, you know, a couple thousand dollars that drivers lost in 2019 versus 2018, about 600 of that came in the first six months. So it wasn't really, really bad. It was the back half where, you know, they lost close to $1,400 versus the prior year. So I think it felt worse to a lot of people than it really was just because 2018 was such a great year. Right. It wasn't distributed. The, the, the reductions were not distributed evenly over the 12 months. So let me ask, uh, you know, we, we know what happened to rates. We know that they went, went way down. The other thing we know that we don't have the numbers are not quite as transparent is that insurance rates went way up. And of that drop, let's say from 65 to 63, is there any way you can quantify how much of that drop might have been uh, attributable to higher insurance rates? 
Yeah. Um, it's, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things cause that's a bit of a complicated question and we deal with drivers who operate their own authority and of course have their own auto liability insurance. And then we also work with a lot of drivers that are leased onto a fleet and that's how they operate. And so for those drivers leased onto the fleet, you know, there really wasn't a significant change. Liability insurance is going up for everybody, but uh, the fleet typically covers that. If I'm in the market um, doing this on my own, uh, it was a tremendous change. So, you know, if I was paying back in 16, 17 uh, years, I was paying probably somewhere between three to $5,000 for that auto liability insurance that cost went up to easily $12,000 last wow. year. So it went up That's at least that, that, that is just enormous. Yeah, it, it was a huge hit. And it actually knocked a lot of people out of the market. You know, they they went back to running for a fleet because they couldn't afford that on their own. Or maybe even they got out of business. It's become a really big barrier to entry to going out and doing this on my own. And do you see any signs that that might ease? Or is this now kind of a, I hate to say permanent part of the landscape because nothing is permanent. But you know what I mean, a semi-permanent part of the landscape? You know, things are cyclical and they move up and they move down. I'd say we're in a really bad spot now just because of, as we often hear about the nuclear verdicts and the, you know, really 50 to $100 million uh, suits that are getting settled and jury awards and all those kinds of things. So I think it's here to stay for a while. Um, I I know our industry is super active in trying to promote and pass some legislation that limits some of the crazy, ridiculous uh, suits that are that are made. So it's not going to change in a year. It's a long-term, you know, maybe over the next five years, it's going to come down. So right now, yeah, the pain is here and it's going to be here for a while. Let's go back to something you said earlier. You talked about uh, in discussions with your clients, you've advised them that 2019 was going to be a tougher year than 2018. And you suggested some changes they should make in their business operations to get ready to cope with that. What are some of those recommendations you made? You know, really kind of two things. And so 18 was all about revenue. There was so much money to be made. The rates were so high. People kind of forgot about the cost side of the business. And it just became about how do I get to the next load the fastest and, you know, pick the best one to make the most money. Um, 2019 was almost the reverse of that. Uh, Freight was down a bit. Rates were certainly down. And so I couldn't be so picky and choosy. I had to kind of, you know, take the loads that were available and make the best of them. If I sit there for three days waiting for that $3 a mile load, you know, I'm just digging myself a hole with my fixed cost structure of making truck payments and insurance payments. And so I had to change my mindset from just being all about the revenue, driving as fast as I could to actually managing, accepting, you know, loads that I wouldn't have the year before, but realizing they may get me into a better lane with decent paying freight. But more than anything, thinking about the cost side of the business. And, you know, we saw a change last year where we saw miles per gallon on average go down in 2018 because drivers were driving faster. They didn't care about the cost side. They just wanted the revenue. Um, last year, they paid attention to fuel economy and they actually got better miles per gallon. So, you know, every dollar I save in my business is a dollar to the bottom line in a year that's more difficult. So, just a, a mindset change to thinking about the whole business overall on the cost side, not just so much the revenue, which is what 2018 was about. Now, speaking of fuel, uh, and the show is drilling deep where oil is one of the uh, overriding themes in a lot of our discussion. Uh, the price of diesel actually last year was pretty stable. When you look at the DOE price, which of course is you know, independent owner operators are not 
doing fuel surcharges for the most part, but still it's a pretty good barometer of what's getting paid at the pump. You know, it was pretty stable for most of the year, especially compared to the craziness you could maybe find in other years. Uh, how much does that affect independent owner operators that they're just not dealing with those big swings? Does that, uh, does that help their bottom line? Yeah, I, I, it does. Um, you know, if you're a really good owner operator, um, a lot of times you'll make money on a fuel surcharge because the formulas are based on a lower base than you actually can perform. And, and so you actually like higher fuel because you can make money on that fuel surcharge. That's not everybody, but you know, for owner operator stability is good. No big fluctuations one way or the other. We have a good mechanism with fuel surcharge in our industry, whether I'm actually an owner operator charging a fuel surcharge, it gets built into the rates overall one way or another. So, you know, I think one thing drivers need to really think about this year is, you know, we, we have had stable fuel. That's great. But, you know, we have a lot of macro things going on that, geopolitical, you know, what if we actually wind up in a war with Iran or what if something goes crazy and fuel spikes, you know, by a buck 50 a gallon? Am I prepared to deal with that? Because that fuel surcharge is going to take a week, a month to catch up. Um, You know, do I have a couple thousand dollars set aside that it's going to cost me for more fuel versus what that revenue is going to take time to offset? You know, conversely, when fuel goes down, that's a great thing for owner operators. Ultimately, they kind of have a cash windfall on the way down. But overall, stability is nice because I can plan my business around it. I know what's going on. I don't have to worry about rates changing around fuel. So the stability of last year was super nice. And I hope we get the same thing this year. But, you know, we all know years where whether it's weather related, whether it's politically war related, um, be prepared. This could be one of those years where we have a fuel, you know, spike. Well, I would say that given the the fundamentals out there in the market, uh, I think a fuel collapse is probably more likely than a fuel spike. And if the collapse comes because of the coronavirus, that's a double-edged sword for truck drivers because on the one hand, you would have the decline in the price of fuel. But then on the other hand, the assumption is that you would have some sort of downturn in industrial activity, consumer activity, whatever, um, that, that might hurt their business. John, I think you make a really good point. And I think uh, when you think of all those things, the odds are fuel could very well go down this year. And, you know, what I like to talk to our clients about is I think this is going to be a year where you got to cover your downside and the upside will take care of itself. And and so if fuel goes down, you know, that's great. We're going to save some money on fuel expenses. Rates will go down a little bit and then the fuel surcharge. But bottom line, you know, let's just assume that's going to happen. And and manage for it and then things will be fine. But if it doesn't happen and we do get in a war with Iran or something goes crazy and fuel spikes, do I have a few thousand bucks in the bank to save me from that fuel spike? So we're viewing 2020 as a year where we're assuming things are going to be relatively flat. There's not going to be a lot of change. And so we just got to figure out how to make it happen in that kind of a year. But let's be prepared for you know bad things to happen. All right, let's, well, let's hope bad things don't happen. But I want to go back to something you said earlier when I was preparing for the interview. I, I put together a question. Um, are you able to track how many miles the drivers drove and how many a lot of drivers just simply hustled more to keep their incomes higher? But it sounds to me like what you saw in 2019 was a little bit of less frenetic uh, driving and a little bit more thoughtful driving, if, for lack of a better term, given that it wasn't such a hot market like 2018. Is that a fair question? Did a lot of drivers make a little more money uh, by being smarter, by maybe driving fewer miles, but doing it in a different way than they would have the year before? 
Yeah, you know what was really interesting in 2019 is typically when we see a market slow down and rates come down, we see owner-operators work harder. They just go run more miles because that's what they know how to do and that's what they're used to doing. And we didn't necessarily see that. We saw the lowest miles in recorded you know history in our 20 years that owner-operators ran last year. It was 100,000 miles overall. Um, but when we dig a little bit deeper, most of that was in the first half of the year. Um, drivers year over year started running a little bit more miles in the second half of the year. And and so really, I guess that goes to what we talked about earlier. Um, net income did not suffer drastically enough for drivers to say, I need to go take drastic actions. I think 2020 is going to be a year when drivers actually will want to get out and run more. They're going to you know, take loads that are not quite as appealing as they were the year before, simply because they got bills to pay and they've got to run the freight. So um, last year was still a year, a bit of being bit uh, choosy. 2019, I was still a bit choosy on my freight. I think 2020 drivers are going to hit reality when their bank accounts are not quite what they want them to be and probably run more miles this year. All right. Let me ask you, how much capacity do you think bled out of the market last year? You did talk earlier about some drivers who primarily because of insurance costs just kind of threw in the towel. Did, did you see a lot of that? Uh, do you think there's enough capacity bleed that it's going to impact on freight rates eventually? You know, so we really pay attention to the market from the owner-operator perspective, and I got a pretty good idea of where I think that is. Um, we really feel like we lost somewhere around 3.5% of the owner-operator capacity last year, which you could call around four or 5,000 trucks. We added close to 10,000 trucks, we feel like, in 2018. So we lost about half of what we added in 2018. You know, is that enough to hit us at market equilibrium? Are things going to balance out? Do we not have too many trucks now? You know, that's a, the, the owner-operator market is typically about 10% of the overall market. So you got to think about all those big fleets and everything else out there. And we're not as in tune with that. You know, we had the Celadon bankruptcy, which took thousands of trucks off the road. There were plenty of smaller 200-truck fleet bankruptcies and downsizing. So, you know, overall, my guess is we didn't completely remove what was added to the market in 2018, but I think we're headed that direction. And I think we, you know, maybe got halfway there in 2019. So is this a good time or a bad time to get your own authority and start driving? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a believer that anybody that is smart enough, capable, wants to work hard, can always make money as an owner operator in any market. If you're, if you're the kind of person that does it. You don't just go buy your truck and get authority and go do it. You got to have a plan. You got to know what you're doing. So all that said, if you just look at the pure numbers, the spread between me going out and operating in the spot market and running load boards versus me running kind of leased contract freight with a fleet, today that spreads about 35 cents a mile, um, meaning I can run for a fleet for a buck 50 a mile. I can go out on average and make in the open market a buck 35 a mile. That differential is going to get me an extra 35 grand a year in revenue. It's going to cost me about 50 grand to go do that by the time I get my trailer, my authority, factor my freight bills or, you know, invoice them myself, do all of my own paperwork. And so today I would say that it does not pay for me to go out and get my authority and run the open market today. I'm better off being where the contracted freight is. Um, and, and that's just kind of the way things stand today. Um, let me ask them, what are the, your drivers that you're dealing with? How are they preparing for AB5 type laws? I mean, it was put on the shelf in California uh, through a federal ruling that could apply to other states. It may turn out that these independent contractor laws can skip by trucking. 
uh, because of the ruling that the earlier uh, F, what they call the F4A rule uh, means trucking is going to be exempt from this. But how much is that on your mind of your clients? Um, you know, I guess I'd rank it as an industry. It's hugely on our mind because we've got to take action to prevent that legislatively, politically, you know, so we're doing a lot. You take that down to a carrier level and it's significantly on their mind. They are threatened. You know, many carriers said no more contractors in California. We, we have to do business a different way. Then you take it down to the driver level and how does it affect me individually? If I'm a driver that's contracted with a fleet that just told me I can't operate out of California anymore, you know, it, it impacts me greatly, right? I just had a great life change. I either need to get my own authority or I got to move out of California. I got to get a CDL out of the state. But I'd say overall across the country, um, you know, we as an industry and we as individuals, we don't act until we have to. So I'm not thinking, you know, three years down the line, AB5 is going to spread across the world and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my job or my my vocation as an owner operator. I don't think a lot of drivers think that way. They just kind of live in the moment and they react to what comes their way. So for all of us, you know, thank God AB5 has had a temporary restraining order put on it. It looks like politically, you know, hopefully it's not going to continue forth, but there's always that threat. And so I think we, as individual drivers, we've got to think about how do I insulate myself? How do I make sure I'm a true owner operator that's doing business in owner operator way? So that if legislation like this gets passed, how can I be insulated so I don't, you know, get put out of business overnight? Um, yeah, it's it's scary times, but remember that when you're voting politically. If you like being an owner-operator, vote for, for people that are going to not put you out of business. All right. You recently sent around an email blast about tax breaks that independent owner-operators should not forget to take when they're doing um, their, their income tax. Some of them seem pretty obvious to me. And I thought, well, how could you forget these? But clearly, you wouldn't have put that out unless people do. So what are some of the most common omissions that you find? Omissions, not emissions, omissions. You know, starting with the most simple, um, keep track of your paperwork because any piece of paper that you lose, let's just say I spent 150 bucks on something for my truck and I was sloppy with my paperwork and I lost that receipt. I just lost a $50 tax deduction. So um, when we do reconciliation, like we're doing right now for 2019 to do taxes, over 90% of our clients through our ratio analysis, we find that they are missing deductions, whether we didn't get some fuel receipts, we didn't get some maintenance receipts, they're just out of a parameter. And so more than anything, keep good track of the paperwork. Um, There's always the per diem deduction. It's a tremendous deduction. Owner operators still get, company drivers don't. But um, the per diem deduction, make sure you get every single day that you're on the road, you get to deduct 63 bucks a day. So make sure you're keeping track of that. Um, You know, and there were plenty of changes with the tax law change that got implemented uh, on the 18 or in 2018. Make sure your tax preparer is aware of all those because there's a lot of impact specifically for truck drivers um, that can help you save money on taxes. A lot of really good things, accelerated depreciation, um, qualified business income deduction, those kinds of things. All right. Well, it's a busy time for you, I'm sure. So we're going to let you go. And thanks for joining us today on Drilling Deep. It's Todd Amen, the founder and president of ATBS which serves independent owner-operators with their financial and tax issues. Todd, please come back to Drilling Deep someday. Sounds good, John. Great to talk with you and uh, take care. Have a great day. Okay. And that's this edition of Drilling Deep. One of the family of one of the podcasts of the family of podcasts we have at Freightways. We call them Freightcasts. I'm John Kingston. Please join me again. <laughs>